Hello, my friends. It's Ryan from the Prolific Creator Podcast. Now, many of you have asked, hey, Ryan, how do I support the show? Well, I finally listened. Starting today, you can subscribe to the Prolific Creator Plus on ACAST Plus for $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. No apps to download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Get access to the entire archive of Prolific Creator Awesomeness. Over 160 episodes going back to 2017. Yes, that's right, my friends. A plethora of information and inspiration, tips, tricks, and interviews to get your art and work into the world. Remember those ads? Say bye, bye, bye. Wait, there's more. For $5 a month, you can get access to the full prolific creator experience. This includes the full archives, early access to episodes, listener Q&A, book and movie reviews, and interviews not for the public, and perhaps any other awesomeness I might do on the microphone. Sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it does, Ryan. If you want to listen for free, you'll notice the last 50 episodes or so will always be available wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, by subscribing today, you don't have to download any new apps, and you can simply keep listening on the podcast platform you prefer. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website, and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from the Prolific Writer Podcast. It's 2019. It's going to be a year. We're not going to settle. We're going to persist. We're going to push on. We're not going to let anyone tell us what we can or can't write. And to kick off the year, I have Joho from the UK to help us do just that. But first, some intro music. Welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast, where speed's the name of the game. Follow an indie author and publisher and his guests as they share inspiration, tips, and advice on writing fast, writing often, and writing well. So you can do the same. Here's Ryan. Well, hello, hello, hello. It is 2019. Whenever you are listening to this, maybe you're listening to this 20 years in advance and it's not 2019, but it's 2039. I don't know when you're hearing this, but it's 2019 where I am in the universe and it's so glad, so glad that you are here. The Prolific Writer Podcast, helping you write fast, often and well, helping you get unstuck, helping you build a business and life with your words, all those good things. And I hope your 2019 is off to a good start. We are a few days in, but I want to encourage you if... 2018 is gone. It's done. Put it behind. However great it was, however terrible it was. I don't know how the Christmas holidays went and the New Year's holiday went. Sometimes that can be a mishmash of goodness and other things that I won't say on air. But wherever you are, however you have found us, I'm really glad that you are here listening to the Prolific Writer Podcast. And I'm so excited about 2019. A lot of great things in store. And I wanted to, right at the top of the show, just mention we're starting our Motivation Mondays. Uh, if you didn't check out our first episode, Motivation Mondays, uh, we're going to be launching a, a Monday episode, a short little micro episode on Mondays to give you a little motivation for the week. And then we're going to be doing some interviews on Fridays and some other cool stuff on Fridays as well. And so that'll be a little new format for the year. And so I'm looking forward to sharing all those for you. And uh, so go check out one of those Motivation Mondays. We just, just had one uh, a few days ago. And uh, so wherever you are, however you found us, really glad that you're here. And what a great way to kick off 2019 is uh, a woman, her name is Joho. And I also want to say up front is I, I butchered her name the whole time. So her first name is Joe and her last name is Ho. And she's from the UK. And I kept saying Joho through the whole uh, interview and my apologies to Joho. I'd apologize afterwards, but her name is Joe. That's her first name. Her last name's Ho. So uh, sorry. Joho, I know I kept butchering that, uh, but for the audience is Joho uh, is a screenwriter uh, from the UK, and she's had some success in screenwriting for quite a few years, and now she has tried her hand at novel writing, and what I love about this interview is she really just wasn't satisfied with screenwriting in the sense of what you can do with a book versus what you can do with a screenwrite, uh, screenplay, I should say, and really wanted to push the limits and, and really tell some stories in great detail, and that's the the beauty of books is that we have this, this big canvas to write 
stories that really get into the details um, of what's going on in the characters and the the settings and and the story where you don't get that with the screenplay because it's it's very you know shrunk down uh, short dialogue not a lot of description and just like a movie that's why we always say the, the the books are way better than the movie because they don't have a big enough canvas to really get into the story and so she just wasn't satisfied with that and so she's been been really pushing the envelope as far as writing novels trying her hand at that and has been very, very prolific. I mean, and also just kind of taking on the, the, the screen uh, writing industry and movie industry and TV industry saying, you know, we have this, this opportunity in our day to, um, write the things, create the things that we really want to, to write and create, because we have so many more channels and so many more ways to get our work out there and so many w- more ways to, to, to expose others to our work. And, uh, and there's not just the one channel as it used to be. And so, so I just really hope that you're encouraged, inspired by, uh, Joe and her message uh, for 2019 to just stay persistent, to, to just challenge the status quo and just, just write the stories and tell the stories, uh, that, uh, that you want to tell. And that's really why we created, uh, the prolific writer podcast is to get your message out into the world and help you write fast, often and well in the meantime. And so, uh, so I hope you really are encouraged and inspired by my interview with Joe and without further ado, here is Joho. Well, hey, welcome to the show, everyone. This is Ryan, and I'm so glad to have Joho on the show today. And uh, we're going to be talking to Joho, and she's a screenwriter and a director and an author. And uh, welcome to the yeah. show, uh, Joho. Say hello. Hi. Hello. Hi, hi listeners. <laughs> well, we have a, a lot to talk about because you're, you're an interesting person. You've done a lot of different things in a lot of different media. And uh, I wanted to just talk a little bit um, kind of, you know, about your origin story a little bit is kind of your, you know, your screenwriter, director, and now you're getting into books. So tell yeah. us, tell us a little bit about how all this came about. Um, I'm trying to think where to begin and to do as fast as possible. Um, I just, I studied art. I I got a degree in art, but then I realized that art wasn't quite my thing, um, belatedly. And then, um, I sort of, while I, but while I was at university, I realized that I really wanted to work in film and television. Um, and, uh, I basically just came out of college and then started to get whatever jobs I could in the film and TV industry. And whilst I was working on film sets, in any kind of roles that I could get, um, because I didn't know anybody um, from the industry. And I came from a, a pretty, um, you know, uh, we we didn't have a lot of money growing up. And my parents didn't speak very good English because they're originally from Hong Kong. And uh, then they emigrated over to England. Um, so it was really tough growing up. So I didn't have any kind of cushion or, or, or funding or any kind of help that you actually you know really need a lot of support especially if you want to get into something crazy like film and tv so i just had to work i did lots of temping jobs i did whatever so to get into the industry and then whilst i was working on lots of um low budget movies i just read the scripts and thought these really aren't that great um and then the movies i was killing myself to work on weren't even getting released anywhere um and then i just suddenly thought well you know maybe i can do better and then around about this time um, the West Wing had come out, the TV series The West mm-hmm, Wing, mm-hmm. and I became obsessed with the writing on The West Wing by Aaron Sorkin because it's, you know, I'd never heard dialogue coming out of people like that, and I, I got hold of um, some of the screenplays, uh, some of the scripts for the show, and studied them. I was also a huge, huge fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer when that mm-hmm. first came out, um, and for me, the best writing that was on television that I could easily have access to was from Buffy or from The West Wing. And this is years... I mean, Buffy was when I was a kid, but mm-hmm. I rewatched it when I was older. And um, and this was a little bit... This was maybe 15, 15, 20 years ago. So the internet was not around as much as it is now. And so there, were, there wasn't freely available all the scripts and screenplays that you now have all over the internet. So um, I was a bit limited for what I could get and what I could um, do. And uh, and as I couldn't afford to go to film school or study again, I already had student debts to pay off. So I had to teach myself how to do screenwriting. So that's mm-hmm. kind of, I just locked myself in my room for three months and then watched those shows over and over and over mm-hmm. again and then got hold of whatever scripts I could to study them. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote my first screenplay after I did that and uh, kind of things progressed from there. 
uh, and then uh, trying to think what happened now. Um, and then basically, I were, I went on to one um, sort of course that you could do. It was just I think it was like 150 pounds. It was for a couple of days, and I submitted a short script that I wrote in the one weekend. Uh, it's one of the first things I wrote, and then I got selected onto this thing. And from there, I met a very well-known producer, um, and he really loved my writing. And he just asked me, did I have any ideas? You know, he's not, he said, this is a short film script, which is very well written, but I'm, I'm a TV producer. Do you have any, you know, TV show ideas? And so I lied. And he said, yes. Um, <laughs> I didn't have anything. No, I didn't have anything. I was brand new. You know, I'd literally just, you know, spent three months in my room studying mm-hmm. and then bashed out this, this uh, you know, short film script just to try to get onto this course because it was uh, only a couple of days and it didn't cost very much and it, it was about the only thing I could afford to go on. Um, and then, but one of the teachers there, he, he was a very, a very well-known award-winning producer um, who um, did a lot of uh, Dennis Potter's work. I don't know if you know who he is or who's there, but... He um, did a lot of very acclaimed um, um, films and TV series with him. So I lied and said, yes, I do. Um, <laughs> and he said, great, can you get it to me? And I said, yes, but can I, um, I need to look over it again. So can I have a couple of days to look over this? Because this was, I think, on a Saturday, he said this to me. Mm-hmm. So I said, let me let me spend a few days to look over it and then I'll, I'll get it over to you next, sometime next week. Is that okay? And he said, that's great, that's fine, no problem. And then I ran home and, and then literally had a meltdown. I panicked like crazy and I thought, oh my God, what are you saying? What are you doing? And then I just came up with an idea and spent the next three days, I think, bashing that out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I sent that over to him. And then he loved it, mm-hmm. and then he optioned it, and then he brought on another big producer, and then we went to Channel Four, which is uh, one of our big broadcasters here, with mm-hmm. it, and then they commissioned it. Wow, <laughs> so, that's amazing! And I just, yeah, it, it was crazy, and I didn't even have an agent at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I did everything backwards, basically. Like I found the producer, then I did the work, mm-hmm. then we got the commission then I found the agent. You know, none of this is the way you're supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but that's how life is, isn't it? And that's yeah. how these kind of industries, there's never really one route um, or one path. Right, right. So I kind of, um, yeah, so I was, you know, brand new, um, got a commission for the show or, or to, the pilot, to the pilot script anyway. Didn't know what the heck I was doing, you know, um, and had um, these big producers, you know, sort of on my side. Um, but then it didn't. The show didn't happen. We, I was in the middle of writing the pilot when it suddenly got cancelled, which I didn't know at the time. But that's kind of unheard of because it wasn't that they read the pilot and thought this isn't good enough or we don't want to do it. I hadn't even finished writing the pilot, so they hadn't read anything more from me, um, and I was never given a reason why. And this is this was my first lesson about the film and TV industry about how hard it is, harsh it is. Because you can give it your everything and you can work so hard. You can even get paid for it. But sometimes, quite often, the project can just disappear. And quite often, you don't even get told why. You know, that's sure. how how bad it can be and unfair it can be. But so I didn't know why. And then I actually only found out a couple of years ago because I bumped into somebody who happened to have been an exec at Channel 4 at the time. And then he said, oh, I know what happened to your show because I was there. And I said, well, please enlighten me because nobody would tell me anything. He said, no, all that happened was our channel was doing really badly that year, Mm -hmm. really badly. And then um, uh, an email came from the top brass that basically said, um, you know, we're not, you know, we, we can't be doing anything that's not a sure thing. To get rid of all your projects that mm-hmm. isn't from established right. people that are going to be storefire hits. Um, and he said, and obviously you were brand new and you were young. And then your show, which was a fantastic idea, but involved a lot of Chinese people. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> we, mm-hmm. we haven't had that in the British um, TV landscape before. So yours was obviously one of the first ones that they cut. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just said, it would have been so nice to have been told. And he said, yeah, I don't know why they didn't tell you, but that, that is actually what happened to your show. So that was my first very brief. Right. <laughs> like that's how I became an overnight you know, success story to <laughs> No, that's great. I, you know, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of lessons, you know, a lot of things to unpack there because, you know, obviously, you, you know, you have some kind of um, passion or obsession or, you know, to tell stories and do the work. I mean, even 
yeah. you know, keep, yeah. to keep going. And so, so yeah, going back kind of what, what really drove you to, I mean, was it before you talked about West Wing, you talked about, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer TV or whatever, yeah. but even as a kid, I mean, were you reading books? Were you watching movies? What oh, the story, yes. the storytelling, you know, yeah. where, where does that come from? Yeah. Well, that comes from, um, because I didn't have a happy childhood mm-hmm. and I, I immersed myself in books. Books was my, my life, you know, mm-hmm. books was how I escaped from the troubles of real life. Um, and I was such an, I mean, the crazy thing is I didn't actually speak English until I was about five or six because we spoke Cantonese at home. Um, and my parents, as I said, don't, they, I mean, my mum does pretty good now, but she doesn't think she does because she can't read and write very well. Um, but she can definitely carry on a conversation, you know, in English. Um, hello. My cat just said hi. Um, <laughs> and then, um, but what happened was I would read, um, we joined the local library and um, I, we were allowed to take out seven books on your library card um, every time. But I would plow through seven books in two days. So I then had to get my mum a library card. And then com- with the card combined, I could take out 14 books a time. And I used to go to the library like twice a week or something um, and get out 14 books every time. And I, I didn't even know what authors or anything that I liked. I literally would just go down a whole bookshelf mm-hmm. and just from the top to bottom and just grab books that looked quite fun and then just work my way around all the different bookshelves. So I read every single genre, you know, I read um, lots of authors that I probably shouldn't have at that young age. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was reading some stuff. I remember Dean Coots messed me up when I read one of his books and it was (laughs) like, just, I didn't even, at that age, I think I didn't even know what sex was and that sort of Mm -hmm. thing, but I'd read some stuff in there and I was horrified. Mm But I loved I loved stories, and my my favorite stories were escapism stories, so fantasy stories. You know, mm-hmm. um, I read a lot of um, dragon fiction, things mm-hmm. in in fantasy, um, anything that was epic, basically. They, they, those were my favorites, um, and so I just read and read and read. So I'd always loved story, and um, and as an actual person, I've always had a a, 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 a fascination with people. I'm I'm one of those people who just you know who who, who whose idea of a, a a fantastic day is to sit in a coffee shop and then just watch people <laughs> and you know and just observe them and I used to hang out in Soho all the time mm-hmm. um, and that that I would just spend my days you know in between meetings and just hang out there or hang out at BAFTA I'm a member of BAFTA mm-hmm. I'd you know just sit out there or just hang out and um, you know either have in between meetings just watch people drink coffee and it was amazing you know I. That's one of the things I love. So I love people and I love learning about people and finding out what their stories are. And, you know, that's my thing is is as as much as I love these fantastical stories, really, it's always about the people, you know, Mm -hmm. the characters that inhabit them. That's what I care about. Um, That's kind of where my love of story came from. So you have uh, two big series, Twisted Series and the Chase Rider series, and they're both, it sounds like, fantasy and so yeah. when when you were kind of looking at, you know, getting into writing books, obviously you've done a bunch of screenplays and different film and yeah. t- TV. Uh, you, yeah. you know, was that kind of in your, you know, repertoire because of that early influences? Like, I just love fantasy. I want to write these kind of books. These stories were in my head already. Or talk us through that, how kind of the origins of these series. Um, well, I... I'm kind of known, like in the UK, I'm not sort of one of those screenwriters that, that you know, everybody immediately knows or always mega famous or anything like that at all. But within the industry, you know, I'm I'm, I'm quite well known. And I, I created a TV series for uh, BBC Children's here called Spirit Warriors, which was my very first um, credit, professional credit, okay. was my own TV series. And it was one of the most expensive shows that they'd ever made at the time. <laughs> Yeah, and it was a fantasy. It was a martial arts fantasy, <laughs> which, you know, nobody has made anything martial arts over here in the UK. And we hadn't had a show that starred predominantly Asian cast, you know, East Asian cast mm-hmm. before. So there was a lot of first, it was groundbreaking, you know. Uh, and then there was me, you know, it was my first thing. Uh, and then I was young and I was female and Asian and we hadn't had an age, any... No, nobody who was um, East Asian had created a TV series in the UK before either. So there was a lot of, you know, um, um, there's a lot of groundbreakingness about this show uh, mm-hmm. and about me as well. So 
But I, I sort of came in and that was a big epic fantasy um, and it took place in a fantastical world and we had to build um, sets and studios in order to film this show. So sort of taking from there and taking from my love of that and then it just kind of spiralled on from there. When I, I started writing the book because I... Um, I keep getting the same thing um, over here when we try when I try to make all of my shows and TV series. Um, I, I quite often get told um, we really want to make this, we love it, we want to make it, but it's not an existing IP mm-hmm. uh, uh, intellectual property, which is what um, all the studios and backers need nowadays. This is why Spider-Man has been rebooted ten thousand million times because of its existing. <laughs> IP right. um, and it's you're guaranteed an audience every time sure. you reboot Spider-Man no right. matter how many times they right. do it right. <laughs> yeah and this is also why you're seeing less and less original ideas um, mm. coming out of Hollywood because it, also because the budget for films are getting more astronomical aren't they they're mm. going crazy now yeah. with, with, with how much money they cost so they have to recoup that cost sure. or at least try to um, so, so they keep optioning or they keep making things that were you know either films before franchise i mean they're even creating films off of lego you know this Mm -hmm. is to say and board games right you know they're making uh, board games now so this is kind of where the land the landscape is for for that side of things and and i kept i got it got to the point where i've created this this um amazing movie well i think so but i have been told it is okay (laughs) but um but it's about it's a it's um a family fantasy movie that i absolutely adore and it's opened a million doors for me all around the world and but to the point where even the head of development at heyday heyday is the company who makes the harry Potter movies Mm -hmm. but even there you know she read it she loved it wanted to do it uh you know and said but even we will struggle to get this off the ground because it's not an existing IP. Sure. And then I just remember sitting there thinking, gosh, but you're the Harry Potter guys. <laughs> if the Harry Potter guys are going to struggle to get something new off the ground, what hope have I really got, you know, mm-hmm. in really having these things happen? And and I think the big difference is, you know, I know that most it, most authors would also sit there thinking, I'd love to have a film made or I'd love to have a TV show made of my books. You know, everybody would love that. But, <clears throat> but the fact is, that was my profession. I mean, I am a professional screenwriter, so it's not a case of I would love to. It's that this is what pays my bills. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what needs to happen in order for me to, you know, to, to move ahead and progress and that sort of thing. So, sure. so there's a lot more pressure on it for me to to get these things happening. Mm-hmm. So when I sat, I think I realised I keep hearing this IP issue, and then I decided, you know what, <clears throat> maybe I should try and write these as books. And she actually, you know, um, Rosie there at Heyday was the one who said, I think you should write this as a book. She said, I think you should write this as a book. Mm-hmm. And then when it becomes a hit and there's a classic, <laughs> then all the studios come at you and throw money at you to do that. So my idea initially was maybe I should write that as a book then, mm-hmm. but it was a children's book. And then when I started doing a bit of research into, um, into self-publishing, everybody was sort of saying that children's books are really hard sales, mm-hmm. you know, for sure. self-publishing. So then I started thinking, I don't even know that right thing for me. And then I just really thought about what I wanted to write about, you know, things that I can't do or that would be difficult to do uh, as a movie or as a TV series. Um, And then I came up with the Chase Rider, the first Chase Rider book, which is about um, a homeless girl. She's 14 years old and living on the streets um, because where she came from, her background is not very nice. um, And uh, she was abused at home and... When it got too much for her, she decided she'd rather take her chances on the street than still live at home. So she voluntarily left. Um, but she's an amazing, I mean, I love this girl, I love this character. She's very resilient, she's very optimistic, she's very tough talking, um, but that's because she has to be in order to not break down, in order to not sit there feeling sorry for herself. She, she has to be kind of tough talking and make life of, you know, the bad things that have happened. Otherwise, she would just end up in a heap on the floor. Mm-hmm. So she, you know, she's living on the streets. And then one day she meets this dog who looks as starved and beaten as her. Um, and then she saves the dog, but then the dog ends up saving her. 
And then that's when she realizes that this ain't no ordinary dog. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. It's like, because I can't just do girl and a dog and then they, you know, just live happily. I have to do some kind of fantastical element. So, sure. um, so then she soon discovers that this dog is actually like a super genius level dog um, mm-hmm. because he was genetically created to be that way. And he's escaped from a lab. And the billionaire who made him is after him, who wants him back. And then you sort of, um, but you don't discover this, these things. It's a suspenseful series. It's a thriller. So first, you know, when we started, we just met with her and the dog. And we just love them both anyway because they're adorable. And then they both desperately need each other because they haven't got anybody, you know. And then, you know, as they become friends, as they start bonding, then terrible things start happening. Um, and the more she learns about him, the more terrible things are happening. But the closer they get getting, uh, they're growing together. Mm-hmm. Um, and this Chase Rider series is probably not your typical YA series um, because I wasn't writing to tropes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These are all the things when you start self-publishing, you're mm-hmm. told, no, write to tropes, write to... I wasn't writing to tropes, I was naughty. I was writing what I wanted to write mm-hmm. that I couldn't make as a movie or that I know would be really difficult, um, you know, coming sort of from uh, an original um, story idea background. So I, uh, yeah, so it was about, it's about her and about this dog. And then it's also about um, a vet who lost his wife a year ago and hasn't recovered and is in a really bad way because of it. Um, And it's actually just about the three of them when they meet up and what happens and how they bond. It's about three lost souls who come together to form a family. So it's not. The closest thing that I have seen or read that, that is similar to this is, um, I don't know if, if you, did you see the movie Logan, the, the, the film that came out, Hugh Jackman, last uh, year? Weird. No, I did not. It was an X-Men movie, but it was very different from the usual X-Men. It was, um, it was uh, very realistic and gritty in tone, and um, it was really well done. And the whole story really is about him and this kid that he saved or has to protect. Um, and it's kind of, the kind of tone, the, the style of it is very similar to, to my books. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a video game called The Last of Us, which I adore. Um, mm-hmm. But tonally and, and thematically, that series, that that game series is like my book series as well. Okay. So that's kind of how I started just with that one. Um, and then when I wrote Wanted, I was getting such great reviews and people were writing to me saying, oh my God, I love these books so much. Are you going to write more? Please write more. Please write mm-hmm. more. Um, and so then I turned it into a trilogy. Um, and uh, the second book is out. The third one, um, I've written the first draft of, but we'll, I'll be finishing it and doing it probably in January. Mm-hmm. So that should be out in February, I think. Great. So that's kind of the first series. And then Twisted, the other series that you mentioned, mm-hmm. was originally a Terry series. Um, and it's been optioned a million times by different mm-hmm. people who try to make it. Um, and uh, it was optioned one time by um, one of the producers of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, um, and an agent, an ex-agent from CAA in um, LA, mm-hmm. who is now producing uh, Jane the Virgin, who's doing really well with that show. Uh, but they both came together and optioned that, and um, we were developing it and trying to get it set up in the States. But for one reason or another, it just didn't happen. Um, and then I think Gary got busy with Jane the Virgin. In the middle of us trying to do that show, um, Jane the Virgin took off, and um, and then we just got massively busy on there, and he's been working on that. And so... Um, that kind of didn't happen either, but it's been optioned several times um, by different sorts of people. Um, and it's a very ambitious series. It's about four troubled girls um, who uh, discover they've got dark powers and have to save the world. It, mm-hmm. it, it is basically my Buffy, but mm-hmm. Buffy the way that I would do it now in, in these days. And it's a lot more, um, it's darker in mm-hmm. a sense, um, but That's it right. also has two um, diverse characters. So there's uh, uh, an East Asian girl in there. Um, and then there's also uh, an African-American girl in there. So it's kind of um, quite urban as well. Mm-hmm. So that's Sounds great. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. So you, so this is interesting because you, um, you know, obviously you, you've been writing, you know, screenplays and directing and doing all these things. So, so when did you, when was the first time you, you, tried your hand at an actual book or a story was that a while back or was that just in the last uh, few years oh sorry when when did i try my hand at writing a book yeah an actual book yeah because you had been writing you know all these screenplays and you thought you know oh yeah 
Yeah, that was Wanted. Um, the first book I wrote was Wanted. Um, and Wanted was, I actually started that, I think, about six years ago. But okay. I got busy with the screenwriting. And I, mm-hmm. I think I did like the first, I don't know, 20 chapters or something. Mm-hmm. And then could never have time to get back to it because I just kept on, you know, getting work and I was creating shows for this person or I had another show in development or, mm-hmm. or a film over here and just was working all the time. So I um, didn't get a chance to go back to doing the book. And then uh, I think it was only, well, when did that come out? That came out November 2016. So in 2016, my boyfriend said to me, I think you should really have a go at writing books because, you know, you love reading and, you know, you want to see your work out there. And one of the things I was frustrated by is as much as my work has been um, optioned or commissioned or whatever, if it doesn't actually make it all the way to screen and come mm-hmm. out, nobody's getting to see my ideas and read my, are sure. they? That You're not getting to see them. So that was one of my biggest frustrations is mm-hmm. that I'm creating character after character, world after world, you know, story and story after story. And if it doesn't get all the way to production and then broadcast or, you know, cinema release, theatrical release, nobody's getting to see them but the execs that read them. So I was getting really frustrated with that. So that's why I decided, you know what, I'm going to start writing books as well as my screenplays. And then let me see if I can turn these the books, you know, get some fans or get some people who like the work and then mm-hmm. see if I can turn them into that existing IP that everybody's after, yeah. you know. Yeah. So I, I kind of... The goal, the end goal is still always to make films and TVs as mm-hmm. well. But, you know, to start from a slight, come at it from a different approach. Mm-hmm. But what I didn't realize, um, if I'm genuinely honest, is how much I would I would have loved writing books. I didn't know that I would love it this much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I've been so screenplay, like film and TV focused for so long. Sure. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't. And it's weird that I never really considered writing books until then either. Because, um, I don't know, I just had weird... Just didn't think about it. Even though my best friend kept telling me, "You were the girl who read like twenty, thirty books a week mm-hmm. when you, you know, mm-hmm. when you had the chance, <laughs> and right. your whole childhood—that's all you did was read books, you right. know." Um, so why did you never consider writing them? And I said, "I don't know. I thought you had to be really clever to write books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I was clever enough to sure. write books." And then she said, "But you're writing screenplays." And I said, "Well, look, my head is messed up. Okay." Don't- mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Don't ask these questions. I don't know why. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. just, uh, well, just you... how... and also approach going into film and industri- TV industry saying I'm going to be a screenwriter. I just said I want to work in film and TV, mm-hmm. and then jumped around in different positions until I found where I want what I wanted to do. So I was never confident enough to start from from outset mm-hmm. and say, hey, I want to be a director, or hey, I want to be a screenwriter mm-hmm. or an author. So they all sounded too big for me, you yep. know. Yep. Well, yeah. I, you know, I love I love your story because I mean, you really have this kind of you know gritty you know DIY gonna do it myself. I mean, you learn how to yeah. <laughs> you learn how to write screenplays. You learn how to direct. You learn. I mean, you just you yeah. said, hey, I'm gonna just immerse myself into this. And you know, and I think actually a lot of people listening would be really encouraged by that because I think you know one of the best ways to learn how to write is actually read a lot and just immerse yourself <laughs> into books and and say you yeah. know how do they do this? How does this, how does this chapter work? How does dialogue work? How does description work? How does you know and really become a student of and if if people are you know readers, they're gonna be good writers. I mean, it doesn't mean they're going to be Stephen King, but, um, but yeah. you, know, you can teach yourself. I mean, you can learn. You don't have to have an MFA. You don't have to have an English degree. And, no, no, you don't. And yeah. I, I go around, um, some film schools don't like me because mm-hmm. I go around saying you don't have to spend 10000 a year to go to film school to learn this stuff. Mm-hmm. Because especially now with the, you know, the internet, there are, if you want to be a screenwriter, what, what do you do? You, you, okay, I did go, I have taught um, um, several screenwriting courses or whatever, masterclasses. Mm-hmm workshops and the number one thing that happens and I'm always shocked by this is I go I turn up and then there's maybe 30 people there wanting to become screenwriters so I say to them all okay first question how many of you watch movies or and they, all the hands go up how many of you watch tv shows all the hands go up how many of you read screenplays two hands go up mm-hmm. and then I just say okay those two can stay the rest of you can go <laughs> <laughs> and right. then they all right. look at me in shock and I'm saying okay I'm joking but not really how can you say you want to be a screenwriter and you don't read screenplays Mm -hmm. okay that's insane that's like saying i want to be a car mechanic but i don't mechanic i don't do cars you know or i just sit in them i just drive cars but i don't learn how they work i don't you know and i said this is and it's the same you know and and then also 
obviously you have to write, you have to practice, you have to learn your craft, mm-hmm. but there's different ways of learning your craft. So you watch it, you read it and you practice it. Yeah. And then with those three things in place, you know, you do enough of those three things, you, you know, you'll be, you do, you should be doing a decent job. And then there's the other part of it, the business part, the pitching part, the, you know, the personality, the able to work with it. There's lots of other things that come into it, but sure. first thing first is you've got to read, watch, and then you've got to write, you know, you can't get away. You've got to do all three of those if you want to be a screenwriter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with the, you know, and I, I do go around saying to people, I, I'm of the school of, I think you can be whatever you want to be as long as you put your mind to it and work damn hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I'll be really honest. Um, I spent my entire life people telling me I couldn't do this. Mm-hmm. But I also grew up, I mean, I'm Asian and my family were very traditional. And I also grew up where I was told that girls aren't valued. Mm-hmm. You know, girls aren't valued. Boys are valued. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, my my goal in life apparently was to get a degree and then a husband. Mm-hmm. And I always said, I'm asking, wait a minute, hold on. You said, <laughs> Why are you telling me to get a degree if after I get my degree, I then get a husband? What about the job? You know, what happened to the job and the career? Mm-hmm. And then I was told, no, 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 that you get the degree so that you, the, your husband knows that you're smart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, not, but not that you actually go out and get a job. Right. Um, and, you know, after you, so the, the degree is just so everybody knows you're smart. Mm-hmm. And then you get a husband. Um, and so that your husband values you more because he knows you're smart. And this is the kind of stuff that I was told. And, and mm-hmm. you know, and it's, which I just really, really, um, rebelled against because I I'm I'm not like that and I you know I I kind of have never liked this idea that that I am lesser than just because I'm female mm-hmm. you know I've never understood that and then but then unfortunately I then went into the film industry where that message is rampant I mean there's a reason why me too exists and unfortunately I've had that all the time mm-hmm. I've had that all the time working in film and tv where you are not you are considered lesser than for being a woman, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it's insane. It's crazy. Uh, but I've had that, you know, not sure. for, obviously not from everybody, right, but right. I do have it a lot. So, um, so one of the reasons, um, so writing the books now, one of the main things that one of the reasons I'm loving it is because I'm now not having execs who don't know what they're talking about, mm-hmm. telling me they know better than me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's, that's a, fantastic feeling you know um it's not to say all of them i've worked with some amazing people but i have also worked with people who have just come out of um oxbridge we call it um are you know are um you have you call them your ivy league schools we have oxford um oxford and cambridge here and so many of them graduate from them and become tv execs but they will literally be you know no 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 experience you know um, and um, and they'll be the ones in charge. They'll be the gatekeepers. They'll be the ones that tell you they know they know better than you. Right. But I'll, I'll I'll have these meetings and I'll talk about all these references and some of these most amazing shows and films. They've not even heard of them. Sure. They so, get yeah, watching them. They haven't even heard of them. That's kind of how crazy it is. Mm-hmm. So with yeah, the I've, books, I'm love. Hmm? Sorry. Yeah, no, I, I've heard that. Like, uh, you know, Saturday Night Live. You know, some of these Harvard students and Yale, and you know, they get hired, but yeah. it's it's they they don't know comedy. They don't know, you know, they've <laughs> never watched anything. No. They've never done anything. Yeah, it's because they have a no. degree, you know, and. Yeah, they have a degree, and it's yeah. like okay, but but does that mean that you know what the audiences want? Because I come from a place of the audiences, you know. I, 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 the stuff that I create is the stuff that I want to see, mm-hmm. but I'm very much thinking about the the reader at the end of the day, or mm-hmm. or the viewer, and I'm thinking, what do they want to see? What do they want to watch? You know, mm-hmm. and so uh, I don't listen to trends either. I'm one of these people who I don't really. Well, a trend is a trend because it comes and it goes, right? It's mm-hmm. not there forever. Mm-hmm. So I just think that you create great stories you create great characters and then those are the projects those are the stories and the books and the films that that mm-hmm. state that, that people love you know um and so i try to create these kind of characters and these kind of worlds and and make you fall in love with all the characters basically mm-hmm. is my job that's mm-hmm. what i think yep. um but i always i've just realized that in the work that i'm doing i very much deal with troubled people or people who don't have love, or people who don't come from happy ch- families, or you know, who who don't have um, you know everything on a silver platter, mm-hmm. um, because that's just what I'm interested in. You know, that's what I know. That's what it's these people I root for. You know, the underdogs. I want to mm-hmm. see, and also I think it's really important, like the message to the people. I'm I'm writing YA books because that's my happy place. That's my happy wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. But 
I want to put strong messages for people in there, but especially for girls. You know, I think it's a really tough world that we live in right now mm-hmm. with all the social media, with, you know, the Instagrams and the YouTubes and the phones, you know, every all these devices that we have that mean that you're instantly, you know, online all the time. And I just think that it's so much tougher on girls now. There's so much mm-hmm. pressure. No. Well, there's pressure on everybody, but I'm just coming out from the point of view of, you know, of girls. I'm yeah. just thinking of how hard it is now, how perfect you have to be, yeah. you yeah. know. Um, how perfect you have to look all the time, you know, and it's crazy. Um, and uh, and then it makes for a lot of unhappy insecure people, yep. you know. So um, that's why with Twisted, it's about my four girls are really troubled girls, but they don't have the problem of, you know, well, one of them is now having this, but, but they have real problems. They have, you know, like one of them just lost both her parents. Mm-hmm. She lost both her parents six months before she started college. Um, and, um, and, but she also thought she was rich. She grew up thinking she was, you know, pretty wealthy, but it turns out that her parents couldn't actually afford any of the things that they got them, her and her sister, and they were mortgaged up to their eyeballs and basically they died and left a lot of debt. So then they died and then the girls left with nothing, you know? So she suddenly has no family, no parents, and then she's got no money either. And that's a very harsh way to have to start college. Um, and then there's, you know, there's another girl who has a mental illness or thinks she does. Um, there's another girl who has extreme body dysmorphia, you know, and she hates herself. She absolutely hates everything about herself. And it's not helped by the fact that her mum is like an Instagram model. Mm-hmm. You know, her mm-hmm. parents are celebrities and they're beautiful and she doesn't look anything like them. Mm-hmm. And so she spent her whole life. Um, people fawning all over her parents and then they look at her and you can see on their faces they're like oh my god is this your kid you know and I just imagine thinking how horrible must that be if you're dealt with that all the time every time someone looks at your parents than you and so these are some of the girls that I've you know that I've got but the whole message yeah Uh, sorry to cut you off Um, but yeah I mean that's the power of art right it's it's being able to tell these stories about real issues through you know, artistic expression through books, through TV, through film. And, and, you know, it's a lot what we, we talk about in the show a lot is, you know, we don't realize how powerful it can be to encourage, to help, to, to say, Hey, you don't, you don't have to be like that. You, you know, there is hope and, and, you know, especially the things going on in our world and yeah, especially for women. I mean, it's with, you know, social media, I didn't, I didn't grow up with social media or the internet or <laughs> any of that. And so yeah. it's just so yeah. in your face all the time. And, and, you know, they're showing how kids are getting depressed and, you know, because yeah. they, they, Hey, I don't look like that. Or, Hey, I'm not as, you know, as pretty as that, or I don't have the money that they have. And, and it's just all, you know, a lot of it's fake and <laughs> phony, you know, and, and yet through, through books and through, you know, art, we can actually, you know, tell different stories and, and, uh, exactly. Cause I, you know, I didn't, um, I, I, I sort of didn't realize until I was doing all my work that as much as I want to entertain people with stories, you mm-hmm. know, I just want people to love my, you know, my films, my TV shows, my books, mm-hmm. but, but, re- but I also want to do good. I want to give back. I want to help, you know, mm-hmm. other girls who were like me growing up, you know, who yeah. didn't feel very valuable for whatever reason, you know, I was never pretty enough. I was certainly never skinny enough. Mm-hmm. You know, I was never good enough. I was just never enough, you know? So mm-hmm. I, you know, and my message is, yes, you are. You are enough just because you are there, you know, and then, you know, you are here. And then from that, you you grow from that. And then that's also why, you know, with, with the whole the whole career thing, like I've never come at it from the way that everybody else comes at it. Mm-hmm. But I've also have to come at it from the point of view of I just didn't have money. I didn't have the funds to do, you know, to do these amazing courses or, or, or go to film school or whatever. So I've always had to work. I had to work to put myself through college. I worked every weekend all the way through college and before college. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, um, to try and learn how to do all these things. And, you know, and I just think there's lots of ways of tackling different things. And you just look at, you know, um, you just try to think outside the box, really. You know, I one of my first jobs in the industry was when I started becoming a screen, when I realized I wanted to be a screenwriter, my next thought was, okay, well, I need an agent. Um, and um, and then I just thought, okay, well, where are the agents, you know? And the agents are in the biggest agencies, you know. At the time, I'm, I'm just thinking about London. So I was thinking, well, where are these agents? Where are these screenwriters' agents, the big ones, the good ones, you know? And uh, they work in big agencies in London. So then I thought, okay, well, I need to pay the bills, but I also need to meet agents. So... Um, I phoned up all of the agencies where the agents, the big agents work. And I asked and said, do you guys use temp? Do 
do you use temps in your office in? And they are yes, we do. And then I said, okay, well, what, what, uh, where do you hire your temps from? And so they told me the agencies that they use to hire temps, you know, executive assistants and PAs. Mm-hmm. And so then I signed up to those agencies and said to the agencies, I want to work at these agencies. <laughs> and so they sent me, and that's what I did. So I, for two years, um, I was what was known as a floater temp. Um, I worked at um, what was then ICM, which is one of the, which is the biggest um, agency in London, mm-hmm. with the the most, you know, sort of the biggest, uh, some of the biggest um, agents are all there, and they represent all Oscar award winners and whatever. And I was running around in that place for two years, mm-hmm. <laughs> getting to know people, getting right. to know how it works, getting to know the clients. You know, I got to know the chairman there, and you know, and this is a very outside the box thinking, but that just made sense to me. You know, mm-hmm. I still need to pay my bills whilst I get my education sure. um, and whilst I, you know, make contacts. So that's kind of what I did. I but, you know, not, well, I thought that would made sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, let, let, let's talk a little bit. Let's switch gears a little bit. And this, I mean, it kind of yeah. uh, connects, but, you know, you sound like you have a very, you know, good work work ethic and you've obviously produced a lot of books and among other things in the last couple of years. And uh, so let, let's yeah. talk a little bit about your process. So how, how do you, you know, okay. I counted 10 plus books in the last couple of years, you know, short to long, uh, all, you know, what, what does it look like kind of a, uh, you know, starting page one, you know, are you a big outliner? Do you have ideas? How do you, how do you produce so much work? I'm absolutely an outliner. I, I don't understand the pantsing thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't get it. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. But that is also because of my training as a screenwriter, sure. because yeah. screenwriting is very formulaic, right. you know, very right. structured. Most authors who try realize they hate it. They can't bear it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's I, so I and also I'm, I'm from the school of every page is equals a minute of screen time, mm-hmm. which is a lot of money. So mm-hmm. nothing that shouldn't be there if it's gonna if it doesn't do anything to advance the story or your characters it shouldn't be there because it's just wasting money then right. so i come from that sort of form. and yeah. then i've used that in my writing as well um and but i am absolutely an outliner because i think i think the danger with not outlining is i mean you can discover amazing things while you're writing um and then you but then you can adapt your story to suit it but if you don't for me if you don't outline um then you could go off the rails quite easily but you could also lose your way and then you can also waste time because if you don't outline you might write a hundred you might write your whole first draft and then realize 75 percent of it is wrong Mm -hmm. because there's something there that you change halfway through or you think oh i can do that better and then you fix that and you change that but then the rest of it is then irrelevant you know Mm -hmm. and so you waste then you've wasted all that effort and that time as well so um i'm very much an outliner and i think if you want to write fast and if you want to produce fast and release fast which is you know as we know is necessary really to become successful yeah so i think to produce a lot of work quickly and to release quickly you need to outline because i think otherwise you can go you know you can lose your way a bit so for me for twisted for example um twisted was originally envisioned uh, as um a 22 episode tv series uh, and that's what we're going for like something you would see on C- the cw basically or on netflix Mm-hmm. So I already had created 22 um, outlines for 22 episodes um, as part of my Bible when we were um, um, pitching this around L.A. Um, but what I did was but it's changed quite a bit um, in order to turn it into books. Obviously, I'm able to go much further with storylines um, and spend more time with the characters than you would on a show. Um, and also, um, since I'm you know having free reign on this thing now, um, since it's just me, um, I'm really being able to dig down into what I want to tell, what stories I want to tell and themes. And so what I did was I just readapted my original outline for 22 books. Um, and uh, I so I already had about three quarters of a page to one page of an outline for every book. Um, but then I went back and redid them. So ahead of writing each book, um, I thrashed that out uh, theme by theme beat by beat, scene by scene, or not beat by beat, actually. It's, it's just the main beats and mm-hmm. then scene by scene. And I have uh, 20 chapters in every one of these twisted books. So uh, these are like sort of, um, each book is meant to be one episode of the TV show. So mm-hmm. you would call them novellas probably. They're about 100 pages long. Um, but I cram as much as I can into every one of these episodes. And uh, the Twisted series stars four girls, um, but there's also uh, about 
12 other important reoccurring regular characters. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also an interwoven parallel uh, mystery um, uh, that happens in the past in 1693. So there's also like a past chapter in every one of these books. Mm-hmm. And then they all build to, you know, form a big conclusion and they all collide, sort of collect until they meet in the present and the finale of the first season. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of storylines because every girl has her own storyline as well as the story arc with the other girls, with mm-hmm. the other, when they get together. Um, and as I said, there's this past story and there's, there's all these interwoven stories. So if you don't outline, I don't know how you would do this. Sure. Um, and I do think actually, well, actually, no, I rephrase that. I think if you write um, a traditionally a simple plot, and a simple story. Um, for example, if you were doing a regular romance, sort of boy meets girl, you know, boy, mm-hmm. meet, you know, boy and girl get together, and then something happens that pulls them apart, but then they get back together for real at the end. You know, that's your basic traditional arc for most romances. It doesn't mean it's a simplistic story. It's just, but that is the typical arc. Right, so you know right. where you're going. You know, those are the four main beats. And then obviously you go crash that and you make it more, you know, but like with something like this, it doesn't have those four easy beats like that. It's it's yeah. much bigger, and it's you know with all the characters and all. So I just think you have to plan it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but also because I don't want to waste time writing if I'm not going to keep it. I hate mm-hmm. that. So mm-hmm. I don't tend to junk anything really. I mean, I don't ever tend to write entire scenes that I don't use. For example, I don't do that because I've already planned it all out, so mm-hmm. I know what's going to go. There needs to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, occasionally i've written too much for one of these books that can't fit in there so i've moved it to another book but i don't tend to write i don't even write a whole chapter and then think later oh i don't that's not necessary i don't need that or it doesn't work um so i've kind of done that and sorry yeah go ahead so what once you uh get to the end of that draft i mean it's fair is it fairly clean i mean does it go to the editor where does it go from there yeah well what i do is i i write the draft the first draft and then it goes to i've got a creative editor who uh, is one of my friends and she's fab, but she just basically reads it and then gives me her thoughts, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then it comes back to me and then I, uh, you know, work whatever notes she gave me, then I tweak it or rework it a bit. And then after I've done that, I have two amazing, really lovely and amazing um, sort of um, truth readers, beta readers. Um, one of them just checks grammar. <laughs> so one of them just checks grammar. But the other one, Harold, that's Janice. Uh, Janice Harris, she's awesome. And then Harold Tremell, who is lovely, 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 and is a good friend of mine now and a real support system. But he he reads it for grammar, but he also reads it for notes, um, just okay. um, creative notes. If if there's a beat that he thinks is a bit wrong, if I've forgotten something, mm-hmm. if, you know, if something doesn't make sense or if something I think is there on the page but isn't, you know, because quite often it's in our head and we think we've put it down mm-hmm. and maybe we haven't put it down clear enough. So these are, he just flagged it up to me if um, if anything's wrong or, or, or it doesn't feel right or something like that. Okay. So that's my process. Those are the ones I use. Um, okay. I go through them. And they're, they're all awesome. And they're, they're my team, my tribe, mm-hmm. basically. And then, so what, that's the process. Yeah, then what, what does it look like after, you know, it's all cleaned up, ready to go, it's formatted, covers. Uh, what's What's been helpful for you as far as getting your eyeballs on your work? Um, I, I'm trying to think now. I, I mean, I do the, the normal kind of promotion. I didn't do I when I first launched this. I've had a bit of bad luck actually with um, this just this year with the kind of launches and things um, because there's so many changes with Amazon and Facebook, and I'm sure a lot of people who mm-hmm. keep abreast of these things know. But I sort of was ready to launch this in June of this year. I'd, I'd written I think four of the books already, so mm-hmm. I had a room, four of them ready to go. Um, and then I, when I started releasing it, they did re- pretty well when I started releasing. But then what happened was, um, this is around about the time that I'd learned Facebook advertising because I was a bit behind in learning the marketing side. Because when I wrote, I wrote Wanted and released it. But when I released Wanted, I didn't know anything about marketing. And this is an absolute no-no for anyone to be successful. But I, I was very much, oh, God, I need to fit this in with the screenwriting. And and the screenwriting just kept on cramming in. And so I just got to the point where I thought, I just have to release this thing, you know, even though I don't know anything about marketing and, and just see what happens and then just learn as I go along. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't really until this year, I think it was March this year, that I decided 
that I'm going to really try with the books, um, take some time off of screenwriting and try and do this for a bit. Mm-hmm. So, um, so what happened is um, I uh, was marketing. You know, I, I you know I bought I bought the uh, the promos, the usual book promos, uh, the newsletters, the swaps, and that sort of stuff. And then it did okay. It was doing well. But then the the strange thing started happening with Facebook ads uh, a couple of months ago. I don't know if you were affected or not, mm-hmm. but it just seemed that we were getting all the, the usual clicks, but the sales weren't corresponding to the clicks and all this sort of weird stuff. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I think I was one of the people who just found out that people who were clicking on my ad weren't being taken to the book mm. and some weird things like this. And just some weird glitches. And then Amazon did a whole reshuffle of their store and their algorithms. And mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. it was kind of like apocalypse for a little bit. So <laughs> my book kind of fell in to that when mm-hmm. all that was happening. So it was so frustrating that... They were getting, you know, good traction and then these things would happen. But the good news is, which is one of the things I love about indie publishing, is that you can see, if you see these things are happening, you can quickly readjust mm-hmm. your plan or what you're doing. Yep. Um, and, um, and that's something that you can't do with traditional publishing. And I have to also say, I never even looked at traditional publishing because it didn't appeal to me. Mm-hmm. Um because I, you know, coming from the screenwriting where I've always had to work in a committee, so I'm the one doing all of the writing, but there's always a team of editors or, or, or commissioners or producers or, mm-hmm. you know, all these people above you or the studio or, or, or whatever, or the director, all the actors, you know, all these people are there. And, um, and so you're never that free to do everything you want to do because someone is always going to come in and say, you know, um, um, oh, we love this story, but I think it's absolutely perfect. But um, as this happened to me, but instead of writing this this emotional story about a young girl and her mentally ill mum and the grandma she's never known before who comes from Hong Kong to look after her, mm-hmm. we love all of that. But I think you should make some changes. But I was thinking maybe we get rid of we get rid of mum. Well, we don't make it that mum's mentally ill. How about we make it that mum needs a husband and then mm-hmm. it's the, the granddaughter and the grandma, the daughter and the grandma, spend the entire movie trying to get her a man. So, you know, I get those kind of notes. So mm-hmm. what was a beautiful, fantastical story about a young girl, you know, trying to cope with her mum who has a mental illness mm-hmm. becomes a young girl gets together with her grandma to find a man for her husband, her right. mum. <laughs> Right. You know, totally, notes. yeah, totally different story. Right. Yeah, 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 completely different. But yeah. then you're, but then you sit there thinking, oh, but didn't didn't you hire me? Didn't you option this story? Why are we trying now change it to right. this other story? You know, if you want this other story, that's fine. I can write that story, but I'm not going to change this one to try and turn it into that story. You know, yeah. that's the kind of craziness you get. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so I did the sort of normal um, um, publishing. But one of the things that I've done with these um, twisted books now, because as I said, they're sort of short episodic novellas. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started bundling them now into bigger bundles. Mm-hmm. So there's different price points for them because some people, some people love the short form. Some people love the novella, you know, the hundred, mm-hmm. the hundred pages, and they love the regular releases. So they usually get a new episode every two and a half to three weeks. They love. Some people love that. Some people hate that. Some people hate the shortness of it and they want longer mm-hmm. books, you know. Um, and then some people are happy with the price point, but some people will always complain about price points of books. Um, and if they're shorter books, they will complain, you know, that they, 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 they think they should be cheaper. So, But what I've done is I've bundled books in free book bundles and also I've just released uh, a mid-season bundle. Um, mm-hmm. So it's one to 11 books in one bundle. Mm-hmm. Um, that paper that just came out, I think, a few days ago. And then the ebooks come out on the 26th for that. Um, but so there's different price points, you know, different bundles for people, so they can come in at, you know, buy, you know, whichever version that you want, whichever one you're happy with. So I, like I just find the being able to be able to adjust how you do things is yep. really, you know, yep. really brilliant. And actually, it was one, it was um, one of the, one of your listeners actually, um, John Howard, who who was even saying to me, he goes, "Have you considered bundling them, you know, mm-hmm. into bigger bundles?" Um, yep. And um, that's kind of where that came from. Yeah. So, well, thank and, you, John. Yeah, and that's and that's exactly what you were saying about indie publishing. It's the freedom to say, hey, if I want to bundle these, if I want to, you yeah. know, do a, a box set, if I want to change my marketing, if I yeah. want to change the cover, if I want to change, you know, it's yeah. like you don't, you can't do that with traditional publishing. And and no, and, and no, th- you and you know, and that's one of the things. And also the fact is, you can write your book for traditional publishing, and you know, yep. and then it won't come for a year. Yep. It'll take a whole yep. year. Yeah, or, or two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, and 
happens in film and TV. I don't want that in my books. I want now. I want freedom. And I want to be in charge. And I want to be able to say, this is the story. And I want to release it when I want to release it. You know, Mm -hmm. it's too much of that is out of my hands in film and TV. I don't want that for my books, which is why I didn't even consider going the normal route. You know, much to despair of some people. (laughs) So, So, Joe, this has been really, really great. And uh, one of the the questions I love to ask our guests uh, is you know if you're thinking about a you know starting writer newbie writer maybe they have one book out or maybe they're thinking about writing a book is what would be some some advice you would give uh, anyone that's thinking about you know writing and getting started? I I, I would say don't do what I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I I mean that genuinely. I mean I study okay because there's two sides. If you want to be an indie writer, there's two sides to it. One side is the craft, the writing side. Mm-hmm. So learn everything you can about about you know how how to structure a book, how to write a book, you know, and then practice. You know, listen to podcasts like this, you know, um, and, and and learn your craft basically, and then write and start writing the books. Um, but then the other side is to learn about the business side of it because you can't be an indie you can't be an indie author and not learn the business side because it doesn't matter how great your book is, then it, you know you just won't sell it. If there are no eyes on your book, no one's going to buy it. So I think you have to learn both. You have to you know. And so with all these, you know, with podcasts like yours and then there's Facebook groups, you know, I think join them, join some of the really big ones. And you can, there's just such a wealth of information out there, um, which, you know, and I've also found the indie world to be very encouraging, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. very welcoming. Um, yep. And there's a lot of sharing that goes on. None of these things happen in film and TV. Yep. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so it's really refreshing, you know, to come into the indie indie books and everyone's trying to help you. And, yep. you know, and, um, and, and they freely give advice quite often, right. you know, um, right. and time even. Some people give a lot of time, you know, um, and, um, and I just think just learn your craft, read books, obviously, mm-hmm. read books and then practice writing. Mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, I, I haven't read nearly enough books because I've just been so, so stupidly busy this year. Mm-hmm. But so my writing suffers because of it, because while I'm great at plotting and I know I can do great characters, my actual book writing, I know I can do better. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, you know, I get, I get lots of great reviews already and people I have fans or whatever, but I know that I can be better. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's my, my thing is that I always want to be, you know, among the best and, mm-hmm that I work for it. So, um, and one of the weirdest things for me is, is screenwriting is a very different art form from um, book writing. Sure. So I'm now having to relearn, uh, undo some of my screenwriting lessons because screenwriting is all about getting the message down as fast as you can, mm-hmm. uh, but with a minimum amount of words. So maximum message, minimum amount of words. Mm-hmm. Books, it's the opposite. Right. So yeah. books have more time to go in and, and you know, and listen to the character and think what they think. You can't do that in screenplay. So now I'm happy to reverse that. So, so to the to the newbie writer, I'd say you know read a lot and then practice. You know, start writing. Yeah, and then listen to these podcasts, read books. You know, join some Facebook groups, um, and um, and then just start at it. Really, yeah, start start doing it, and have no fear. I think yep. is the thing. No, yeah, great. really go for it because yep. people, you know. People are doing it every day. Yep. No, I think it's great. So, Joho, hey, this has been so great. So, before you go, uh, tell us where we can find you and uh, and what else you have coming out soon. Okay. Um, my website is uh, johoscribe.com. So, www.johoscribe.com. I'm also on Facebook under Joho Writer, I think, because Facebook didn't like my, my very short name. <laughs> so, I can do so I'm 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 on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, I'm on the usual sort of places. Uh next for me is uh I'm gonna finish the Third Chase Rider book. Um I also have optioned a book series this year that I'm gonna sort of do the Bible to and then start pitching that. I've already started pitching it actually to some people. Uh they're getting quite excited. So I'm also trying to look for indie projects that I think might make great film and TV shows, not not ones that I've created also, um, and um, and seeing if I can find homes for them um, and see if I can sort of bridge that gap a bit and help get some of these great indie projects made because there are some very talented people, you know, mm-hmm. doing things in this field. Um, and um, unfortunately, as in my experience, a lot of the film and TV people that I know are very snobbish about indie authors. Mm. Um, and uh, I want to show them that they're wrong. And, you know, there's like a wealth of ideas and talent out there. Sure. So yeah. so I've also started looking for projects that I think make great IP 
um, that might make great film and TV series and started contacting, um, you know, uh, producers or whatever and talking about doing them, get them optioned and then made into film and TV shows. Okay. So I started doing that as well. Uh, yeah. So stay tuned, I guess. Um, yeah. I'm obviously writing my Twisted series next year. Second half of the first season coming up. It's all going to go crazy. Okay. Great. <laughs> well, thank you, Joho, for the time. And uh, I'm so excited for your success and all, that you're, all the work you're doing. And thanks for coming on and helping a lot of people today. <laughs> thank you for having me. Well, there you have it, Prolific Writer Nation. Thank you, Joho, for coming on the show. And I hope you were encouraged. I hope you were inspired. I hope you learned a ton from Joe. Uh, she had a lot to say, a lot of good insight, a lot of good wisdom uh, to share with us. And uh, I, I just, again, w- was just so encouraged by just her way of pushing the envelope and, and saying, you know, if, just because things are done this way doesn't mean we have to do it that way all the time. And, uh, and, and I just love her insights of just persistence and trying different mediums. And, and so, you know, I've been writing a lot about this, thinking a lot about this is it's just what are ways that we can, you know, challenge ourselves in 2019 that, uh, you know, and that could be a for all of life, not just writing, but, but all of life, you know, if, if we did things a certain way this year, maybe we need to try things a different way in, two, in 2019, you know, maybe we've written nonfiction, maybe you're going to write fiction. Um, you know, maybe we've uh, written a certain amount of books this year and in, in last year, I should say, and, and maybe next year or this year we want to write, uh, you know, double that or triple that and, and push ourselves. And so I, I just want to encourage you that keep on going and, uh, and thanks for listening in. It was such a great 2018, you know, we hit 50,000 downloads and it's been such a, a really cool two years and excited for what we have in the future. There's some other cool things coming down the pipe. Uh, to really help you and serve you in your writing. And uh, I'll be talking a little bit about that in the future. I have a, a course that I'm, I'm working on that I'd like to uh, be able to share with you and, and still working on, on some of that, but that'll be coming out in 2019. Still writing the books and and uh, putting out the podcasts and, uh, and so it helps you wherever you are on this writing uh, journey. And, uh, and hey, I love your feedback. So uh, if you want to you know write in, you want to email me, you have any guests you want me to bring on the show, you have any questions, please hit me up on social, writer prolific. Facebook, Twitter, email me, Ryan at the prolificwriter.net. Check out the website, prolificwriter.net, and uh, tons of writing resources on there. Go, really want your 2019 to be, to be great. And, uh, and I'm really pushing for you, and that's why we're doing this, this show. And before we go, if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes, that would really help us out a lot, uh, get more ears on the show. And, uh, so, so do that if you, if you listen through iTunes or wherever you listen to the show and then, and then lastly, go check out some of the podcasts on the project entertainment network. Uh, there's uh, about 21 this year and, uh, go support those guys, get on the Patreon page, get some free swag, some free, uh, some, uh, other, uh, stories and other cool stuff. Uh, go check that out. I'll put that all in the show notes and, uh, and I hope you're having a great 2019 and, uh, I'm with you and I uh, look forward to, uh, all that that we have together uh, this year on the prolific writer. And I just have one more thing to say is go get those words on the page. No, seriously, it's it's time. It's 2019. No excuses. Let's go. Okay. Let's go. You're still sitting here. You're listening to my voice. Turn it off. Go get the words on the page. And this is Ryan from the prolific writer. I'll talk to you real, real soon. Join us each Wednesday on the Mondo Method Podcast, brought to you by Project Entertainment Network. The Mondo Method Podcast features authors Armand Rosamilia and Chuck Buddha as they discuss the writing process from both the veteran and the novice perspectives. Each episode ends with a segment called Marketing Morsels, where expert publicist Aaron Sweet Almahari teaches everyone how to promote their work and sell more books. Check us out on the Mondo Method Podcast on Project Entertainment Network. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.